think it's 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 the wild west out there. Um, I think you're going to start. You're going to still see, you know, the local tap room is going to be big for the next few years. Still, you, you know, the basically the local tap room brewery is the corner bar now. But I mean, I live breathe this all day. You know, maybe for for better or worse. But you know, I, I still get up every morning, put on my shoe boots, and I'm here making beer. It's not so bad. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. We should do cheers at the beginning. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to that. Yeah, cheers. And we're drinking a barley wine from what? From where? Sierra Nevada. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Still haven't seen Bigfoot though. I see it right here in my glass. <laughs> that's a good one. You know that would be a challenge. Bigfoot Actually, is real. That's what we're. Bigfoot <laughs> is real. You know who might has have seen Bigfoot this weekend where we're at? The Spartan Racers. Spartan Racers. So, yeah. as you guys listen, if you guys listen to this when it's first put out the spartan race is gonna it's going on actually right now Yeah, as we're recording this yeah and it will be going on when you guys listen to it if you listen to it right when it gets put out too so it's in we're in big fork montana and it's spartan race weekend yeah i don't know and if you don't know what that is it's it's actually a race series and uh they have different distances that and i don't know what the shortest distance is of the spartan part of the race but they i know for sure they do a half marathon distance of the race and a full marathon version of the race but it's not just and a race no i know that's what i'm getting to okay i'm getting there okay the spartan races are obstacle courses on a mountain they're running literally like up a mountain around the mountain so this is a running race and there are obstacles i don't know exactly what all the obstacles are do you know what some of the obstacles are because i'm not sure some of them i believe are like you know climbing over uh like a wall or something like that or climbing under something or you oh, have right. to like probably like a rope thing like, where you have to pull yourself rope thing, up over a wall or... or isn't there like a like a like a crawl what's that called when you're like oh yeah like the military style training kind of like crawl that. thing yeah and i know some of the races too have like if you're in a team then you can help your teammates do it but if you're not on uh... a team then you have to do it yourself and if you can't do the obstacle. Yes. Then you pay penance. By. <laughs> by, um, 30, what was it? 30 burpees, 30 burpees or something? Or maybe it, maybe it changes per obstacle. I don't know. I don't know what all the yeah. particulars are, but yeah, it's, and then you have to still continue to run. Yeah. And finish, keep going. And then you will hit other obstacles. Wait, regardless, the, the whole thing is, it's, it's, not. it's this weekend right now. It's a Spartan race and the weather is, um, Pretty kind of crappy, so I'm sure they're dealing with mud as well. So it's raining. Yeah, it's what, and... like 45 degrees today, basically, yeah. and rainy all day. Full-on real-life slip and slide. It's also supposed to be possibly snowing during some of these races, so welcome to spring Let's in Montana. <laughs> Anyhow, where we are going with this is that is a challenge. Like, seriously, oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a purpose to our madness here. That's a challenge, and it's really kind of cool to be here, like, watching all the Spartan racers come into town and check in and, you know. But it's Spartan race. If you're curious about it, look it up. But we're not trying to push that. What we're trying to talk about, challenging things. Like, you've done a century, which is, like, a 100-mile bike ride. Yeah, and I've only done that once, but that yeah, was... Yeah, was it easy? No, it was not easy. It was not easy. I mean, and I trained pretty seriously for that for a good couple of months at least. 
where I trained specifically for the for the century race. And I'd already been riding a lot before that anyway, just for fun. But This was on a road bike. Yes, on a road bike, not mountain bike. But uh, although there were plenty of people, when I did that century, it's all pretty much paved stuff and everything. It's it's riding roads and stuff around um, some rural areas in Colorado. You did in Colorado Springs? Uh, kind of. Right? Castle Rock, Colorado okay, Springs. Okay, but there's yeah, a lot of these hills, like up and down hills and things like that. Roller coasters. Yeah. That they roller coaster, but they roller coaster up a hill, which, oh my gosh. So every time you think you're at the top, there's another top, and then there's another top, and then there's another top that you couldn't see before. Appropriate to Colorado, but, fall summits. Anyhow, you were talking about mountain bikes on the race? Yeah, there were actually, yeah, I rode, um, I rode my road bike, and most people were riding road bikes, but there were a bunch of people riding mountain bikes on this, on, on just paved roads, which... If you do that, you know, it's a little bit harder because there's more resistance from a mountain bike on a road. It's not made for the road, but that's why a road bike's called a road bike. But <laughs> there was also, I remember there being a fat bike in there. And if you've seen the fat bikes, that they have tires that look almost like a motorcycle tire. They're almost that big as far as width and stuff, not as heavy, but as big. And those are really more for riding in sand and snow and things like that, where you need that surface area to, to keep from sinking. So why do you think that person or whoever it was was on a fat tire bike, fat tire? Probably just for fun what... and the challenge of it. Okay. I mean, and that, I, it was a guy that was riding, and I remember him riding really well, too, on that fat bike. So I was like, he was probably a way better rider than me, just period, overall. Because he could ride as well on that fat bike almost as I could on my road bike part <laughs> of the time, so... And I'm not bad on the road bike. I'm decent. So how do you know any kind of stats about like a century? Like how fast someone has done it? Like the record of it at all? Or I have no idea okay. what the record do would be. Do you know what the average is? I know at the one that I rode, I'm pretty sure there were people that came in in like three hours-ish. Three to four hours. And your time was? Maybe, maybe even faster. I don't know. But at least three. And I was... If I remember right, I think I wrote it in a, a rest somewhere around seven hours, give or take. Wow. I don't I don't remember my time exactly. I didn't I wasn't too worried about time. I just wanted to finish the damn thing. All I'm feeling is my crotch hurting from on the bike for seven hours. That's Ow. a long time on the bike. But yeah, I mean that was really challenging. It was hard and but I'm really glad I did it and I would do it again, I think, if I was trained for it and if the right place came up i think it would be fun but would that mean wait though but would that mean if you're going to train for something like that again that you would have to stop drinking beer every night no i just have to figure a better way through it (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i stopped drinking beer when i trained for that century either but i probably slowed down and then you earned a lot of beer from riding 100 miles oh yeah and and after you ride 100 miles you can sit down and drink like a natty light and you're hammered. One can. You're just hammered. Because if you're anything like you're probably most people are probably not a lot like me, but I sweat. Wait, let me tell like him. Mad. Wait, let me let me tell you guys how he sweats. <laughs> just on the mountain bike when we're riding for like an hour and a half and it's like a warm day or something. He'll have to stop probably two times, three times throughout the ride. Two, you guys, you have to picture this. OK, so we stop on the mountain bike <laughs> or his road bike and he has his helmet on, of course. He's a safety person. He's but he got the takes, little pads inside. Yeah, there. has the pads on the helmets, but he takes his hand and puts it on the top of the helmet over his forehead and pushes the helmet down 
onto his forehead, pushes it. So what it does then is it squeezes out the sweat from the pads and the sweat just drips down. <laughs> Ew, it's so gross. Drip isn't probably accurate. It's Pours. more like a stream of sweat out of my helmet when I press on that because it like collects so much sweat in those pads. Yeah. And these pads are not that thick, but I just sweat like crazy. I mean, it, it's just, yeah. It means but. it's working hard, I guess. So okay. what about you? You've done some good challenging things too, like these kind of activities too. Like you ran marathons for a while. Oh, that you make it sound like I did and, a lot. I love it. Well, you didn't run like three marathons in a day or a hundred marathons in a year or something like that, but you've run two or three marathons, right? I did run two marathons. I'm not really sure why I chose to run the second because when you, for the most part, normal people who choose to run the first one are pretty much like, yep, did a marathon, not doing it again. <laughs> It's 26 freaking miles, sorry, 26.2 freaking miles of running. Yeah. And for an average kind of person, that's probably about four to four and a half hours of running, like continuous running. So, and I don't know what the record is for marathon. It's probably like under two hours. It's insane. Do you think it's under two hours Probably. Yet? Has somebody broke two hours? What is it? I don't know. I what? know two hours is really freaking fast. I know. My like time. Even close to two hours. So it was fast. cool. I ran a marathon in a few years. Um, but the first time I did it, it was probably like 10 years ago, um, which would put me around 40. See, that's cool. So for those of you out there who are sitting there like, oh, you're 40 years old or, oh, I'm 45 years old and oh, I'm too old to try new things. The first time I ran a marathon, I was right around 40, I'm pretty sure. And the second yeah, time, probably. I'm not really sure why I decided to insanely do another one, but I did. And that was like five years later, probably because I didn't do it soon enough after. So I forgot that it's kind of painful to run 26 miles. Right. <laughs> but my first timing was, and I, both times I never trained enough. I just, I didn't. But anyhow, I still did it. And the first time it was four hours and 40 minutes, I did it. And the second time I did it, it was four hours and 20 minutes. And a 20 minute time off of your, like shaving 20 minutes off of your runtime is pretty good. Especially when I was well, yes. older. Well, and you're not like a hardcore marathon runner. No. It's like there are people that run it all the time, even just as a hobby or whatever, yeah. or a weekend warrior kind of thing. And yeah, there's some pretty serious amateurs running and but get really good. But I think the thing is with with challenging things, and believe me, there's a point we're getting there. We do have an interview with the you know a brewery here, but but the, I think the point with challenging things though is you, it does really help you to train for it. No matter what the challenge is, whether it's something physical or mental or opening a business or something like that, you have to train for it, and that is kind of one thing that I. I don't know about you, Kenny. You said you trained pretty good. But the three kind of things that I've, the bigger things that I've really done were two marathons and a triathlon. And I yeah. never really trained as well as I should have for those. What's funny, though, is the triathlon. I have to mention this one. <laughs> it, was a, it was a mountain bike ride, not just a road bike ride. Yeah. So it was at this park in, in, in Colorado, Bear Creek Lake Park. So it was a mountain bike ride. And it was a... Tw the one I signed up for was a 20-mile mountain bike ride. And so for that, I was like, all right, I really haven't done a whole lot of mountain biking at this time. But a road bike, 20 miles, is like nothing. So I'm like, mm -hmm. that should be easy. I can do 20 miles as a mountain bike ride. <laughs> I know you people are laughing at me now. Yeah. And the, the long, next part was like, um, it was a mile swim. And so I know how to swim. I don't know how to swim proper. But I was like, I can train for that. It's okay. And it was in open mm -hmm. water. It was in a lake. 
yeah. a mountain lake. So I could train for that. I was like, that's okay. And then it was a four mile run. I'm like, I've run, I've ran, you know, marathons. I run a lot at that time. So I was just mm-hmm. like four miles. That's nothing. So I kind of half-assed trained for the swim. The, here's the funny thing. I borrowed a friend's mountain bike because they allowed us to do a training ride. So you knew the course ahead of time for the race. And so I did it at Bear Creek Lake Park. First time truly, really, on these single track trails. And it was a 10-mile practice one. So I don't it know was, if we even went 10 miles. But regardless. Because I rode with you that time. Yeah. Too. I remember that. I did that training right Yeah. And it was going to be two loops like that. So it would bend around between 18 to 20 miles. So we, right. our, the training one that we did was only half of that. And so by the time I got done with that training one... I went right away to whoever was like coordinating the training route or the website or whatever. And I'm like, I got to change this. There's no way in hell I'm doing that twice. <laughs> so I, you think you can do a mountain bike ride just because you've been road biking. It's a different thing. Oh, yeah. You think you can swim in open water just because you swim in a swimming pool. You know? Yeah. It's a whole different skill set. Some, yeah. I mean, there's obviously a lot of crossover, but I remember doing that, that training ride with you on that. And I hadn't really done hardly any mountain biking whatsoever at that point. I'd almost totally been road biking. I mean, when I was a kid, I did a little bit of like kind of not even tricks or anything. I don't think I'm trying to say I'm, I was really good on a bike, but I rode like, yeah, I rode like hills and stuff like that and dirt tracks and stuff for fun, but not like as a racer or a crazy tricks or anything like that. But I had ridden my road bike for a long time and then I was and we rode up on that training ride up Mount Carbon, which is not a huge climb as far as height or distance. No, but it's pretty But steep. it's steep, and it was hard. And, you know, on the road bike, you're going uphill, and you're almost always on paved stuff on the road bike. So when it's hard and you're going uphill, you stand up and really pump sometimes. So we get, like, halfway up that dirt hill on Mount Carbon, I'm like halfway up and I'm doing okay, but then I'm feeling that, that steepness and I stand up and that is like the opposite of what you want to do on a mountain bike. Most of the time is you don't really want to stand up and my back wheels just spinning out in the dirt. And I'm like, just came to, I'm almost gone backwards at that point. So Gotta I had to change the gears. Yeah, that was so hard, but, but it, it's a learning thing. But that's the thing is what we're going with is like, you pick these challenging things to do because they're fun, but they're also a challenge and you want to do it and you're looking mm-hmm. forward to reaching these goals. Oh yeah. But, and that's, you learn from it. And so why would you, maybe that's exactly it. You need to do it in the century. <laughs> why would you do it once? Do it you know, somewhat, whatever, how you define success successfully and then be like, okay, I'm done. I suppose that's okay because it sometimes it's really, really hard and it is a one and done thing. But if you're really good at it and you enjoyed it, do it again and keep going because uh-huh. you learn from that. And that I think is where we're ultimately getting to is like, even with opening a business or trying to get something going, it might take you a long time to get it going. But in those long times that it's taking you to get something going like a business, you're learning along the way. You're not wasting any time. You're just learning along the way or building towards it. And, you know, along the way, too, you have like setbacks sometimes. But those are also learning things. And like you said, you learn along the way and you build up your experience level and you, you know, you fail sometimes. But failure is just another way to get better, you know, because you learn through it and overcome things. But yeah. It's like you just keep going and plugging away and you learn along the way and you get better and you get better. And then 
you build towards what that ultimate goal is, you know. Sometimes that dream seems like just a dream. But then eventually that day comes when it's a reality. And that's exactly what happened with Bo. It is, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, believe it or not, somehow we turned this whole, like, long banter into an intro to this podcast. Because we're talking with Bo Baden. He's the brewmaster and co-owner. Him and his wife own it at Sherman Street Beer Company in mm-hmm. Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, sorry, you're going to have to hear that again because that's how I introduce him when we actually <laughs> yeah. get into the podcast. But it's a brewery, like, what, almost 30 years in the making? Yeah, because he, <laughs> he'll, he'll tell the story. His story's good. Yeah, it's and he's, obviously not quite literally. He wasn't, like, forming a business plan and no. then, like, got shut down. And, uh, it's, no, it wasn't like that. He took his life experiences and built this brewery. Yeah, but he's now, because of taking, I guess, taking that much time to get it going, he's now an OG in the beer scene out there in Pennsylvania and oh, yeah. Allentown. Like, people know him from a, from a long time. From that time period that it took him to, like, from the moment when he said, hey, I'm going to open a brewery or I want to open a brewery to the moment, you know, almost 30 years later when he did, he's learned a lot and become this like really well, you know, well-known brewer in that area. So there's well, definitely positives to that. And that's not too shocking. You know, I mean, it's, we've seen a lot in the brewing. I mean, at least from being on the, I guess you'd say kind of the insider side of things sometimes for the last few years, you know, there's people that go to work and become really good brewers and then eventually not everybody wants to do this but some people eventually go you know what i think i want to do my thing i want to do what i just what i want to do instead of what this thing is over here i want to do something a little bit different and that's pretty cool to see it's created some really interesting breweries in the country and that in itself is another type of challenge it is yeah especially i think we should get into it now but especially when you open a brewery during a pandemic (laughs) True. Yes, that is still happening. <laughs> I mean, I, can you think about it? If someone opened a brewery now, do you still say it's during a pandemic? It's right after a pandemic, so it's really I mean, I close. Guess so, cause, yeah. and, and that's the weird thing with that, too. I mean, one, there's obvious the obvious challenges of pa- pandemic during a, a business during a pandemic period. But, I mean, it's crazy because it's like you don't get any reference points. But I digress. I'm good at that. I digress really well. But anyway, so this interview with Sherman Street Beer Company is another one in our series for American Craft Beer Week, which is also in partnership with Malt Europe Malting Company. And wait, American Craft Beer Week is actually next week. Oh, we're actually, yeah, we're right on top of it now. So yeah, this is perfect. So anyway, I don't want to keep rambling on. So with this, I think we should go ahead and turn it over to Bo. Well, we're here with Bo Baden from Sherman Street Beer Company in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We're excited to have you, Bo. And we connected with you because of Malt Europe. And we're trying to, not trying to, we are going to celebrate you and your brewery and American Craft Beer Week coming up May 16th to the 22nd this year. So we're excited to have you, Bo. Oh, thanks for having me. So we have done a little research on you and getting your brewery up and running, which is actually not even quite a year old yet as we record this. But uh, can you give us a little backstory? Because you actually, if if we what we read was correct, you had aspirations of starting your own brewery way back in the '90s, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so so that's a long time to start a business. It's it's, it's I'm 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 a, I'm a really good procrastinator. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so so like you guys, you know, I got into craft early on. Uh, 
early nineties, you know, I turned, you know, even before I was 21, I got turned on to some craft beer from guys I had worked with. I worked in a, you know, while I was going to college, I worked in the bookbinding industry. Um, and some guys there handed me some beers, tried them. I liked them in the bookbinding industry. We made a lot of books related to beer too. So I got to read a lot of beer books, Michael Jackson books and other people along the way. So I learned about all different beers and got into it. And then uh, we have a great distributor. You know, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I moved out West, but the time I was in Pennsylvania, there was a great distributor down, which is actually close. He's our uh, distributor for our beer right now in Emmaus called Shangies. And I went, I drove to Shangies and tasted, bought a bunch of beer, probably every three, four weeks, I bought about 10 cases of different things and learned about it. And I got really into it. And then by the time 1993 rolled around, I said, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a brewery. And, uh, you know, it took a few years. I went to brewing school. Um, I thought maybe it'd take me about a year. I'll get some experience. I'll get going. Well, it took a little bit longer than that. Uh, I worked for, you know, at the time, Pyramid Brewing Company was one of the largest breweries in the U.S. Uh, I worked for them for on and off for a couple of years. I worked in production for them. I worked in R&D, um, you know, and I bounced around coast to coast to different breweries and kind of made it. Uh, we closed down Pyramid in the California in the, uh, I think, 2005 uh, time. And I bounced back east to see the family and uh uh, brewery in Bethlehem was looking for a brewer for their new location in Allentown. So I applied and um, got the job and worked for them for nearly 11 years and then ran uh, Susque uh, Susquehanna Brewing Company for five years uh, while we were kind of in transition to start this. We bought a building in 2017, thought we'd get open by 2019, 2021 it took till but as I said, it's, uh, at that point, I had already uh, waited 20 some years. So what was another year or two on that? Right. <laughs> well, I have a quick question. Um, you said that uh, your buddies at the bookbinding job got you turned on to beer. What, do you remember what the first beer or two was that got you into craft beer? Yeah, it's, it's really it's really a weird it's a really weird journey. And you realize how small the craft beer industry is. But mm -hmm. it was a beer from uh, Dixie Brewing Company called Black and Voodoo. Oh, um, yeah. the, the irony of this story was when I got into craft beer, um, there was a little bar in uh, Wilkes-Barre, uh, Pennsylvania called um, Elmer Suds. And <laughs> the, there's another brewery down the street from Elmer Suds uh, called the Lion Brewery, which is still there. And the guy working the brewmaster for there was uh, Guy Hagner. Well, Guy had formulated Black and Voodoo. So I got to meet Guy over some beers at uh, Elmer Suds. And then I got to replace Guy Hagner at Susquehanna Brewing Company in 2016. So it's, it's you know, so I've known Guy from when I was in my 20s to now I'm in, in my 50s. Uh, but, you know, so I've, I've had kind of a, a weird journey uh, on and off with him. I, you know, drank his beer from Black and Voodoo. I knew the guy from having beers at Elmer Suds and then you know, I knew him from Susquehanna Brewing Company, and then I replaced him at Susquehanna Brewing Company. He moved on to a, he moved on to another job, so he he went on to something bigger and better, um, or or at least different. Um, but yeah, so it was Black and Voodoo from Dixie that got me turned on to it. That's funny because uh, I I remember going to uh, the Great American Beer Festival in Denver in the '90s, like probably around 95 or so, back when it was like 25 bucks to go, and now it's like sure. 100 bucks, but. Uh, I remember, uh, yeah, the, the black and voodoo lager, right? 
and uh, man, I don't know why, but that beer stood out to me back then. So, and I think the same company had like a chili beer back then too. I don't know if they were doing that. I, I know there was a, the cave chili beer was out back then, but um, I don't know if that was, I don't know if Dixie was doing that. I think they were maybe it was somebody else. They, they, they may, they may have been though. I knew, I thought it was a, a place out of New Mexico doing the chili beer, but they may, uh, cause I think black and voodoo came out and then they did crimson voodoo uh, not too longer, which was an amber version of it, which I wasn't, that was the black and was my favorites. Uh, and, and yeah. I, for years and, and uh it's still one of my all-time favorite beers wow and that's a that's a pennsylvania brewery too right Dixie? no they, they were uh yeah. uh new orleans uh dixie mix them up with somebody black and voodoo okay. dixie uh, you know, has would, to be louisiana or new orleans i would have thought but yeah <laughs> yeah i worked in connecticut they, they thought we were the south in pennsylvania so <laughs> i can see how you get confused <laughs> okay easy so Bo, you've been in the uh brewing business for a very long time and brewing for a while and what kind of changes have you seen over the years and what um where do you see like the craft beer industry i say that all the time but where do you see the craft beer world going god i, I wish i knew I, yeah. yeah get out I, your crystal ball <laughs> all, all, the, all the things i thought i knew from all the years i've been in the business have not are untrue now so, so, you know, as you know, you, you used to go January, February, we're going to be slow. They were not slow for us. Uh, March, you get busy. March was slow for us. You know, so I, I, I don't I don't I don't understand what the 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 uh, dynamics of it are anymore. I think it's 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 the Wild West out there. Um, I think you're going to start you're going to still see, you know, the local tap room is going to be big for the next few years still, you, you know, the basically. The local tap room brewery is the corner bar now. So they pop up on every corner of every neighborhood, you know, and I think that trend holds true. And I think, you know, we all, we all work, work through what that means for us. You know, we're all going to be fighting over a lot of the same customers, unless your area is growing. So, you know, in Lehigh Valley, we've got 30 some breweries. When I started in Lehigh Valley, we had two. So, and I've been, you know, it's been, it's been, 18 years for me, 17 years in the Lehigh Valley. Uh, but we went from two to three and then to four in 2012. And then by the time the laws changed in uh, 15 to allow breweries to sell sell beer uh, as a tap room, we, we exploded. So I think, I think you'll still see tap rooms popping up. I think some of the other things you'll see is we're going to become more of a beverage business. You know, it's not going to always be about beer. Because we've got a lot of a lot of people growing up now are not drinking beer, you know they're looking for other options, gluten free options, lighter options, not not beer. A lot of people, you know, unlike me who grew up in family that drank beer, you know, it, a lot of people are growing up families that drink seltzers, RTDs, uh, you know, cocktails, you know. So it's it's different. So I think we're going to be, you know, we're still going to make beer, obviously, but I think we're going to be transitioning into some of those other aspects and um other avenues down the line how is that for you as somebody who's been around the beer industry for so long do you do you like embrace the the changes with like hard seltzers and cocktails does that excite you or are you more uh, like i'd really rather focus on the beer and <laughs> well you know I, I'm, I'm a pilsner guy so, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so i'm already on the I'm, I'm on the far left but i guess that's coming back now uh but uh 
you know, I've, I've always been like, you know, left the dial on, on the beers. Like everybody's IPA. I'm drinking Pilsner. Uh, you know, I, I think I drank enough IPAs in 1993 that I got my fill and I was good. Uh, you know, I got back to lagers back by, you know, I, I, like I said, I started out with black and voodoo. So, um, you know, that was a lager, but no, I mean, I, I guess the interesting thing for me is I worked at uh, Susquehanna Brewing Company for five years. I ran that. And during that process, we had a lot of guys come to us that looked for new products like seltzer. And in 2016, seltzers were not, obviously truly was blowing up a bit and white claw, but they, you know, for craft guys, there was still an unknown thing really. And we all had to learn how to make seltzer. So I think one of the nice parts about brewing stuff when you're creating new styles your your mind starts going a little bit again get you get you rejuvenated like you're not just doing the day, daily same thing over and over so as much as i'm not a um a seltzer drinker really i enjoy them they, i think i think what we do with seltzers we do a very good job with them um but i got to perfect it so i i i take a lot of pride in the seltzer i make you know i i you know i, I as, as much as it's not something for me to drink. It's definitely something that, you know, we work hard to make it taste, uh, taste, make it the best seltzer possible. So, the, so the people that come in that, that do enjoy that style uh, can have it. So I, you know, I, I guess I don't have mixed feelings on it. I mean, I actually, you know, it's, I'm, I'm actually proud of making seltzer <laughs> if I, if I make it well, if I make it well, cause I feel it's, it's part of doing whatever the craft is. I mean, it's not going to be something I'm going to drink often, but it's, you know, I work, came from a brewery that made shandies. Shandies weren't my thing either, but we won, we were the best shandy in the world. Uh, so I'll take that, <laughs> you know? So well, I, I guess my thing is if, if you're going to do it, you just do it really well. And you take a lot of pride in that. I, I don't have to, I don't have to drink them all the time. I'm going to go back to my Pilsner Hefeweizen and, and, and have those, but I, I have a, you know, uh, I have respect for those styles. So what then um, do you consider like your brewery is known for? What what do people come over come to Sherman Street Beer Company for? Uh, mostly to get harassed by us. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you do that well then too? We're, we're very good at sarcasm for sure. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very- so while while you're being sarcastic to your customers and guests and they're loving that, what are they sipping on? Uh, you know, you know, we have, you know, we're an interesting place. So being from the Valley and being one of the original brewers here, um, you know, like I said, we only had two breweries. So I'm, and I worked for a very big brew pub in the area. So we had a lot of customers come in. So I get a lot of those customers. Now they're 20 years older. Hmm. A lot of these guys still, still drink the same beers I drink. So <laughs> we, we, we sell a lot of Pilsner, a lot of lager. You know, we're the guys down the block from us. They sell a lot of hazy IPAs. You know, we, we do we do all right with those, but um, you know, we our demographic is you know, I, I, my joke is we card for AARP. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know so, 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 so you know, if if you if you're if you're under fifty five, we give you a discount. You know, if you're over, you know, you got to pay full price. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but we, we definitely have we're, we're in an older neighborhood an older demographic and it's actually you know the nice thing about it is especially for you know as much as we've been in this business for a long time it's nice to start out where you're a little bit calmer you've had more experienced drinkers coming in and we don't have maybe some of the headaches of a startup brewery that has some younger people coming in 
And I think I'm a little too old to be crowd control uh, these days. So <laughs> it's nice to have a calm crowd, like, you know, family atmosphere. Not that we have anything against younger people coming in. It's just, it's, it's nice on this, for our startup that we have a steady, a steady base that's a little more mature drinker and, you know, that, that have not so much, that they just have more experience, have more experience at it. Right. Can you tell us a little bit more about Allentown in the area? You call it it's Lehigh Valley. Is that what you had said? It's it's a real, you know, it's an interesting thing here. For If you're a brewery, you could be in the Lehigh Valley if you're about 30 miles away. So, so it seems like the demographic st- stretches a little bit, um, but it's 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 Easton, Allentown, Bethlehem, McCungie, and Emmaus, and a whole bunch of these smaller towns in between uh, that all have um, a lot of great breweries. Uh, you know, we, we've, we definitely cultivate this, a lot of, um, guys with experience. I think one, one of the things about our area here is, you know, and it may be changing a little bit now, but a lot of the guys came up with, with me along the way, and then went on to these breweries to help them get started. Um, so a lot of guys work for me for, for, or work worth with me, not for me, but they work with me um, throughout the years and got a lot of experience because we were pumping out a lot of beer at the uh, the Brewworks uh, uh, for years. So we've got we've got a really mature might might be not that old of an industry for uh, tap rooms, but there's a lot of mature brewers in the industry that have a lot of experience. So I, I think we have a um, really good beer culture here. It, that's you know, like I said, experienced. That's kind of that's kind of fun to see. I think sometimes the the community that spawns off of that, because we've talked to some different brewers in different places, and you know, like out in Oregon, you you hear of Deschutes all the time. Everybody, almost everybody in Oregon worked at Deschutes at one point or another that has a brewery out there, and, and you see the same thing in uh, you know places like Denver, where you've got older breweries like um, Great Divide and and Strange Craft and Odell's and left hand that have all spawned a lot of other breweries and does do you feel like that's really built up a strong brewing community there like yes your businesses that have to compete for the same customer but do you have that community of brewers there that kind of like comes and helps each other out or does collabs and things like that together oh yeah absolutely at the starting out you know we had uh we're building the cooler here we had a guy from uh, our friend from uh, Two Rivers Brewing Company, and he, he's since moved on, but he came over to help us build the cooler. Our other friend from the work of the Brewworks, he came over, helped us build the cooler. Another, you know, guy, you know, pretty much everybody in the valley that that we knew that we worked together over the years came by and helped us build, paint, do whatever we're doing along the way. So we, we've had a lot of help uh, on that end. We'll have we got a canning run coming up on Thursday. We'll get a lot of guys that we'll get a couple guys coming in to help can that were just, you know, uh, friends from that I met from drinking at the the, the brewery. Uh, so we'll get guys out for that one. We'll get and we'll get some brewers out too to help that uh, or have the day off uh, or not or not working now. But yeah, no, definitely. Uh, no, it's definitely a pretty tight community for sure. Um, I, I can't think of anybody in the Valley that we're not uh, fairly good friends with um, or if not really good friends with, you know, that we go, we invite them over on 
you know, 4th of July, you know, it, when, when that used to be a thing, I guess we haven't done it in a couple of years now, but you know, we get together, you know, family gatherings and stuff and invite all the people over. So we definitely, you know, I have a lot of respect for, you know, a lot of the guys, for guys in this industry, for sure. Cause I know coming up in it, you know, how, how difficult it is. So, you know, and, and we all have, you know, pay, pay and the work is difficult sometimes. So, so it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it, but I think it builds, it builds a real tight community for sure. Cause we all know what, you know, we've all been in the trenches together. So you've been open for just um, a year. What's like one of the biggest challenges for you or, and, or some advice to anybody who wants to open up a brewery? Like what's some of the biggest things you've come across within the first year? I, I think the, the biggest things we've faced through, through this year have been, get letting people know we exist. <laughs> I mean, that that's, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a crowded market, you know, as much as I'm maybe the second brewer to come to the Valley, uh, to the, you know, um, you know, you leave for a little while, everybody forgets you. So, so, so you, you've got, you've got to, you've got to work hard to let them know, um, that you exist. Uh, and I think that just, just getting, uh, customers to come in, you know, we, 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 we seem to do really well once they're here. It's just getting them to find out where we are. It took us a while to get some signage up. You know, we, we did a shotgun start for this place. And, and, and anybody that knows me knows that's how the days usually go. It's like you come in, we're rolling and going and we're, we're moving. And we did that here, you know, just get open, get the doors open, get people in, get cash flow going. And, you know, don't, don't wait till you've built the Taj Mahal. You know, sometimes just you've just got to get just got to get rolling with it. You know, there's always things you're going to want to improve. There's always things you want to do better, but you just got to open the door first. And sometimes, you know, you get, you get in your own way saying this has to be perfect. This has to be perfect. You know, a lot of times people will come in most, 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 most customers coming in, they just want to have a beer. They don't care if your floor is, you know, perfectly polished or painted perfectly. You know, you try to do the best you can, you know, but, uh, I think, yeah, cut, getting customers to know we're here is is big for us. That's been our biggest challenge. I mean, like I said, there's with so many breweries, you know, we had, I think, three breweries open last year um, in the Lehigh Valley. So, you know, there's a lot of choices for people to go to. And since, like I said, they're sort of turning into more of a corner bar. So you better be on a good corner. Uh, <laughs> We have great community support. Our, our, you know, our neighborhood has been fantastic. Um, they come out support. You know, it, it's it was it was nice and refreshing that you know we did construction. We didn't have anybody complain about a brewery going in. We're we're an old candy factory, um, so we're we're zoned for manufacturing. So it wasn't uh, uh, a big thing for that, but it it was nice not to have any of those little headaches pop up that can slow you down a little bit for how slow we move. We didn't need anybody to slow us down anymore. <laughs> well, and you've been open about a year and you're right around, right on a year. And so, yeah, you've, you've had those hurdles to overcome and everything, but um, obviously Malt Europe helped uh, set this interview up and everything. So I want to talk a little bit about them and, and your suppliers and like how much of a help were they as far as getting opening during this time? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, um, 
supporting the guys that supported me for a long time. So uh, Jeff uh, LaRanger, who set this up, who's uh, our sales uh, manager at Malt Europe. Uh, I know Jeff for, for, for 20 some years now, oh. uh, you know, before Malt Europe. So yeah. I, I, I tend to follow guys, you know, along, you know, I, I had, I hadn't, uh, I knew Malt Europe existed. I hadn't used any Malt Europe malt before. You know, and, and Jeff moved on to there uh, to Malt Europe um, right right before we we were opening, and um, or right right around the same time. And so you know, approached me, you know, said, "Hey, give this malt a try." And I said, "Sure, we'll bring it in." And you know, it worked great for us. Taste was great. We made um, some really you know we've been we've been exclusive, and this is this is rare in this industry. But I'm kind of a I'm a one-stop shop kind of guy. So we've kind of just used uh, exclusively all malt Europe malts, um, you know, one for a little bit for uh, convenience for sure, but because the quality, the beers have been coming out great with them. There, there hasn't been a reason to look for anything else. So we've been, um, you know, using their stuff, their service has been great. And in, in, in this industry, especially now with everybody being so stretched, uh, you know, with resources, you know, um, you know, it becomes um, difficult dealing with some some suppliers to get get stuff in. And it's not it's not it's nobody's fault, but Malt Europe seems to uh, really have their 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 stuff together, and the customer service has been great. So yeah, we, we've been we've been uh, super happy with them. I'm just hoping he signs that I could sign a contract with them for next year at the same malt price. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know that thing called inflation where everything is going up? Good luck with yeah, that. Yeah, that's why, I, you know, I, I, I joked, I, I sent him a text message the other day. I said, I'd like to decide for next year. Just lock me into the same price. <laughs> that is a, is, a, is a contract the entire time we're in business. <laughs> yeah, the, me in. the way the world's headed right now, let's just, let's do a five-year contract. <laughs> oh, I, 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 yeah, absolutely. I would, I would, I'd make a 10 on that one. All uh, right. <laughs> So, so yeah, we're, 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 we're heading, you know, and, and that's one thing too, we're heading into some tough times with that, with that. And they, yeah. they, they've been great. The qualities, you know, and I don't know if you guys know this, but they're, you know, malt supply is tough right now and yeah. quality is not as good as well. So, um, so far we haven't seen uh, any issues actually that the malt's been performing great for us. So um, I'm not sure if I'm screwing something up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, we've actually heard from others that the efficiency on Malt Europe smalts like pretty damn good. Yeah, it's it's been it's been awesome, you know, and, and it's 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 great, like I said. Well, and they and having worked with those guys for a couple of years now, it's like I've realized just how much they go out of their way to make sure everything's working right for you on the brewer side. Like even just you're not just buying a bag of malt and it shows up and then, oh, here you go. Here's your malt. It's like if you have a problem, you can call Jeff or whoever and like they'll help you track down what a, where the issue is, you know. No, I, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, that, that, that's that's been my experience and they've resolved. You know, we had time. We had something that wasn't even the tiny issue to me. It was just I was just I had a concern about something. And then more malt showed up to replace the malt that I had a concern about, even though I, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, you know, so they so they went above and beyond on the, on that end, which is which is good. And that's why you know I, I'm I'm a big I'm a big customer service guy. I like when 
I see sales reps. I like when I get a phone call, a text, you know, I, I don't have to, I don't have to be babysat, but I, I do like when people stay in communication. And I, I think that, that, you know, when, you know, somebody like for me, Jeff is a long time, you know, he was a mall supplier to start, they became a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like to try to work things like that. You know, my suppliers are my friends. I like that. Um, have you had a chance to use any of their newer malts, like the Munich 5L or the uh, Crystal Wheat? What else? The Dextrin? Yeah, we use we 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 use a lot of Dextrin. We we run run the the uh, the three love bond uh, crystal wheat, um, but again, as I as I said earlier, I'm I'm more of a traditional guy, so yeah. I, I tend to say I'm, I'm you know we're doing a lot of Vienna malt, a lot of Munich malt, um, and uh, just a lot of base malt as well. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a weird world if you're making New England IPAs. It's a lot of just base malt. It's just a you know, there's not there's not a, a huge amount of complications in that other is base malt and some oats or something like that along the way, but uh, yeah, no, we, we've we've used um, we've used the crystal the crystal wheat um, dextrin. We use a ton of dextrin malt, uh, you know. Well, and uh, but but kind of keep it to the basics. I'm I'm as a one stop shop. I'm also I don't try to keep too many malts on hand. I try to go, you know, run through some stuff and, you know, um, and maybe I'm less adventurous than some other guys. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all right. You're just good at what you do and, you know, making good beers and not having to throw a candy bar in there, even though you are from an old candy, your building's an old candy shop. So an old candy factory. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, we made me throw a candy bars in one day. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that that's a, as you know, that's the stuff that hurts. <laughs> you can make a candy bar Pilsner. Huh? No, oh, cause that no, negates the no. whole, that negates oh, the entire idea of a Pilsner. Yes. Can you even do that? Is that even like, you wouldn't even call that cause it wouldn't even be the style. <laughs> well, I don't think you have to worry about styles anymore. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, That's true. a lot of beers don't fit a specific style anymore, I think. No. Anyhow, yeah. I have a question. I was just going off the assumption that Sherman Street Beer Company was because it was on Sherman Street, but it's on Trenton Street, right? Uh, it's well, okay. So or is it a different is that local to Allentown? Explain it. <laughs> so, so we are we are on Sherman Street. So the front of the building is on Sherman Street. The entrance is on Tremont. Uh so so we didn't so we bought the building. We were coming in the back door off of Sherman Street, nothing of anything, not until we already did our LLC paperwork did we realize that we're going to be entering on Tremont Street, and that's where the parking lot is. Uh, so uh, we had already come up with, it took us forever to come up with the name because it was, you know, it was on a street sign. You know, so being as slow as we are and uncreative as we are, we just copied the street sign and went with that. Uh, but um yeah, so so we are so so the the uh, post office recognizes Sherman Street as our address. Tremont Street is not our address, though it's our entrance. Though it, though though mail still comes to that address too. So it's 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 a it's a real it's it's a strange thing. Uh, but we, we're we're on the corner of Tremont and Sherman. Okay, but I don't know uh, the maps it recognizes as Tremont Street. You're yeah. gonna confuse some people. 
It, it, it definitely, it's definitely, been, it's definitely been confusing. Maybe, maybe that's why the last, you know, we struggle to get customers in. They can't find us. But we, but, we did, <laughs> but, but, but honestly, we did have that issue when we started out because we still had the old candy factory signs out front, um, and they they were up until we had some some trouble getting our signage made, uh, some delays, and um, people would be driving up and down Sherman looking for us. They couldn't find us. <laughs> you know, it's like, where are you? <laughs> we're drive by. There's no brewery here. You know, uh, but, but now, now with with coming up on on a year, I think a lot of a lot of folks now know where, where we are and kind of get the the you know the joke, I guess. <laughs> I, I would turn it into something. I mean, you know, capitalize on that. Like, why not? It gives the opportunity for conversation, and I'm sure, it yeah. feeds the sarcasm engine a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Speaking of sarcasm, who are you, Bo, outside of your brewery, outside of beer? Who am I outside of beer? No. Yeah, what else do you do? Is what there a bow like? outside of beer? <laughs> God, I, 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 you know what? There really, there, there hasn't been much life outside of beer for a long time. But that when there was, I was a, uh, you know, avid uh, tennis player, runner kind of thing. But that's you wouldn't tell that by the way I look. Uh, <laughs> thank god you can't see me because you're like there's no way this guy played tennis uh, <laughs> yeah and to our listeners usually we have people on camera but his camera was not working so i think it's just a joke that he's just trying to like not be on camera <laughs> but uh yeah so yeah so they're they're, they're really um you know a, a lot of that's been on the back burner for the last few years you know we, we've been you know grinding out, getting going here. You know, I think the big thing for, for me is, you know, this, this is my passion. So it, it's also my hot, you know, it, it's my, it's my business and my, you know, I guess you'd say hobby as well. So, I, I mean, I live, breathe this all day, you know, maybe for, for better or worse, but you know, I, I still get up every morning, put on my shoe boots and I'm here making beer. It's not so bad. There you go. Cool. Okay. Ready for the, the million dollar question? All right. Let's see if I can phrase it properly because I'm struggling with getting people to understand my brain. <laughs> oh, I, I, I have that all the time. All right. I, I got, I've been married uh, for 25 years and I don't understand your brain. Ha ha, so. funny. <laughs> all right. So you have to think of your personality and like who you are. So your personality, not kind of what you like or anything, but if your personality were defined by a beer more of a beer style or a style it doesn't yeah then what what beer style or what beer would that be based off of like who you really are oh god (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i mean i'm I'm thinking of like the 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 sarcastic grumpiness kind of thing so i'm like (laughs) but but, um i I don't know would would it be a new england ipa because those kind of baffle me still uh, you know, <laughs> sarcasm there. I'm like, ah, we took perfectly good beer and made it into these. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, English barley wine. English barley wine, huh? English barley wine. I don't know because I'm trying to think of a beer that's kind of not doesn't because that, that's a style that kind of does fit. I, I, I think. Okay. I think. I think you know that it, that's defined. I understand mm. what that is, but I think I'm going to be a shandy. I guess. Because uh, yeah. okay. I, I don't know if I'm a if I'm soda or beer, <laughs> <laughs> and that might put you in a little bit of a grumpy mood because soda and beer together. I don't know. All right. I just don't know what I am. 
No, I like those That's answers. Good. Those are fun. I like to ask that question. It just gets fun answers. <laughs> Some people are really baffled by it and they have no idea how to answer it. Others have answers immediately. Oh. Yeah. Any big plans for the future of uh, Sherman's? Well, we, we just we went just went into distribution. We were doing self-distribution for a few months while we get, got ourselves organized and felt comfortable um, uh, getting beer out the door and having the quality where we wanted it. Uh, so we just signed with the distributor. Um, the same distributor I said earlier where I went down and got some of my first beers at Shangie's. Uh, so he's, a, again, a, the longtime friend thing. I know him from the 90s, and now he's our beer distributor uh, today. So we're friends for a long time, and now we're in business together. Uh, so we're distributing through uh, through Shangies now, and that, that's our big push for this year. You know, what we're using we're using that as a little bit. You know, we don't have a lot of marketing dollars uh, for sure. So, um, you know, one of the things is for us to get our beers out to the, the customer that that don't know we exist. Let people know that that we're here. Hopefully they buy our beer out in the market at their, you know, their favorite bar, brewery, wherever, wherever we're at, um, or or beer distributor. And then they see it, they want to come visit us at some point. You know, we we're in the we're in the wholesale bit. As much as we have a tap room, we're we're experienced wholesale people. Um, so we're we're experienced uh brewery operators uh with the experienced sales staff and so we want people to come visit us, but we also really want them to buy beer outside as well. So we're, we're trying to, we're trying to be a really good partner on this and, and use it as a little bit of marketing for both ways. Marketing, you come here, then you go buy your beer at one of the local distributors uh, in the Lehigh Valley and take it home. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, we're cross, we're kind of cross marketing for us. That's, that's, that's kind of, that's the biggest thing we have going on right now. Um, and that's probably going to be the biggest thing for the next several months. We'll try to uh, navigate that that area for a bit, and uh, you know, work our way through, and you know, try to innovate and come up with some um, new styles of you know, seltzer. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 it's, but it's true. We we are we are, we are going to work, work through doing some RTD type stuff. Um, because we have experience with it and we know how to do it. I mean, it's, is, you know, so we'll do that and we'll keep making, you know, a good, good selection of beers um, and expand on that. But yeah, other than that, it's going to be keep putting our, keeping our heads down and, you know, as in the book binding business, they said, put your, put your head down and stack. Uh, you know, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're going to do, do a lot of that. You put our heads down and keep, keep working at it. Okay. Well, maybe uh, maybe the seltzer can be where you throw a candy bar in the mix. Uh, it, it could it could be you know that's not maybe Skittles or maybe some hard candies. Yeah, hard candy. Ooh, hard candy seltzer. seltzer. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's there a good go. one. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think we can pull that off for sure. Yeah, that'd be good. absolutely cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was gonna say cheers to like putting your head down, stacking, drinking some beer while you're doing so, and happy anniversary. Yeah. Uh, thank- so much i really appreciate it yeah yeah you picked the perfect time to open <laughs> <laughs> took you 20 years to open during a pandemic hey yeah sure <laughs> absolutely I, uh, for, I i've got i've got impeccable timing <laughs> yes 
<laughs> well, it's good that you are opening and moving forward with Sherman Street. So, and I mean, hopefully people can find you on Sherman Street, yeah. but don't go in the door on Sherman Street. Go around the corner. But yeah, go around the corner. Look, follow the signs. Google Maps. Use Google Maps. You'll find us. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll let you get back at it and uh, keep stacking. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you very right. much. Cheers, Thank you, Bo. Have a good one. As usual, the podcast is fun, and I love talking to all the different people that we get to talk to, and Bo was no different. But here's the thing. We were just talking about a hard candy seltzer. And that might be, depending on the type of hard candy, could possibly be the seltzer that gets me into liking seltzer. You know, kind of like when he was talking way back about the craft beer that got him into liking craft beer? Oh, the voodoo? Black and Voodoo. Voodoo, Black and Lager. Voodoo, Black and Lager. Yeah, I By, remember that one well. Yeah. Um, it's Dixie Brewing, but they've recently, they're rebranding, and I cannot remember the name that it's called now. So. Um, oh, really? Yeah, okay. you'll have to look that so up and figure it out. So they're still around in some form or fashion. Yeah, but they are rebranding, cool. so. Yeah, that was that was actually kind of fun for me, because when he said that, it's like, whoa, I hadn't thought of that in forever. Because that was like mid-90s or something that I tried that at Great American Beer Fest. And was that the beer that got you into craft beer? Oh God, no, no, <laughs> it was good. I, I mean, I enjoyed trying, and that was fun for me. I mean, you know what? That I hadn't thought of it that way, but that Great American Beer Festival back then is probably one of the things that started triggering me along the route into craft beer, though, because at that point it was not anywhere near as big as the festival is now. Right. GABF is massive now. It is now like the <laughs> second largest beer festival in the world. True. So True. there is that. Pretty damn big. Now. It's second to, you know, Oktoberfest. Anyhow, but we're off topic anyway. <laughs> here on this because I wanted to know like what, so you think like Great American Beer Festival is definitely something that got those, I hate that word triggered, but fine, triggered like it, it our did. love of like craft beer. But what do you remember? Well, were there other beers that you were like that really there were, got you thinking more <laughs> along those lines? Or? There were definitely... It's funny because I'm like for this podcast recording, I've been drinking a Bigfoot barley wine, right? From Sierra Nevada. But at that, I remember, I'm quite sure it was at that beer, that Great American Beer Fest that I tried the Voodoo Black and Lager. That another beer I tried, which was from Rogue, which is a great brewery out of Oregon. But there was a beer I tried back then, and it's still around today, called Old Crustacean. It's a hard one to find. You don't see it all over the place. But yeah, the name. It just sounds awful. It kind of was because that was, it's a barley wine. It was one of the first ones I ever tasted. Have you had it since then? Yeah, I'm getting there. Okay. So I tried it at Great American Beer Fest. And I remember trying, I remembered that beer so well because I tasted it. And then like five beers later. I'm still tasting that beer as I'm trying to try other beers. And I even rinse with water and stuff. I couldn't rinse it out of my mouth. It was this, this taste was so strong. Wait, pause. Pause. This is probably why then Bo, maybe one of the reasons why Bo like likes to brew like the classic <laughs> traditional styles beer that just have like the simple taste, like the Pilsners that he was talking about. Okay. That's fair. Could be. That's Anyhow. fair. Very well could be. Keep going. But what's funny is now I love barley wines, but I think it was probably a year and a half or so ago. 
I found Old Crustacean on the shelf in Denver at Warehouse Liquor Mart, which is one of my favorite little liquor stores there. But anyway, I digress again. (laughs) (laughs) But I found it. I found it back in Denver. And I was like, okay, I got to try this again because it had been. What is that like? 30 20, years? 20, 25 years? Dude, you almost cannot do math. Years. Early 90s to now. Man, you're making me feel old. Okay, so almost 30 years later, I try it again because I'm like, oh, I like barley wines now, so I got to try it again and see how much it's And did you try me. it? I did try it. Okay, and you're like, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat waiting to see if you I liked know, it or not. get to it, you were right? taking forever to tell the story. Well, now you're making me drag it out even further. No, so I did try it again, and I still didn't like it. It's weird, because I love Rogue. I think Rogue's a great brewery, and I love barley wines. But for some reason, that one, I I don't know if there's some like underlying sensory thing from years and years ago that it still makes me not want to like it. But okay. I, And I'm not saying it's a bad beer whatsoever. It's not a bad... I'm not saying it's a poorly made beer i'm just saying for whatever it doesn't click with me but what you're saying though is that didn't stop you from still drinking other beers like way back when in the 90s it didn't stop you from trying to drink other beers it kind of kept you going because there are all these different flavors that were so new back then that you're just like wow what's this wow what's this and then it like you have to keep going oh yeah that was the thing is there were so many different ones to me, it was all, even though back then I think it was like 1,500 or 2,000 different beers there, which that's nothing compared to what GABF is now. But, you know, that was a lot of, you, you still didn't try all the beers, but you wanted to and you tried. And it was really cool discovering all these flavors in beer when I thought all it could be was, you know, a light American lager. But now, ironically, a lot of brewers are kind of going back, kind of like Bo at Sherman Street, are kind of going back to more of the traditional flavors where they're just kind of a simple flavor that's like, you know, a beer beer. So you can actually have that. But it just depends on what people want. And that's the joy of having like around, what, nine to 10,000 breweries now is you have all these different places to try all these different beers and to each their own because there's so many. And there's many now that are leaning more towards the seltzers and there's many now that are leaning like the sours and there's all these different types because like we mentioned earlier in the podcast with Bo, the people now who are starting to drink who are getting into the age of drinking aren't drinking a lot of beers so the breweries are getting creative to still get people into their door Mm -hmm. so creativity is still a part of it and whether you want to go back to the basics or keep getting creative or combine the two of them in your brewery it's all really cool there's still so much room out there to grow and i also kind of want to go back to what he said too about the future of craft brewing where it sounded kind of like it's a little up in the air but it's also kind of a positive thing of what he said welcome to the wild west because that's what it is (laughs) it's like the wild west of brewing out there you don't know what the hell's going on and that is still to me sounds pretty freaking cool And I agree. That's totally something that appeals to me because, you know, I mean, I think both of us are kind of this way and I think me more a little bit than you, but I always, I'm almost never drinking the same beer again. And like, I'm just not that guy that wants, that has a favorite beer that I constantly go back to. I don't have my beer that 
I have over and over and over. I mean, there are your go-to favorite styles. Beers. Yeah, I have favorite styles. Don't be. Yeah, I have I favorite do. styles. You always no, order my PAs. You totally have favorite styles. In the moment, I do like I, I, IPAs are a go-to for me for sure. But I like a lot of different IPAs. I like a good red IPA or a black IPA and things like that. Rye IPA. But I also I just like tasting different things. I I think I still am mesmerized by how many great beers there are that just have a little bit different flavor. Even if it's like something that isn't crazy off the wall beer, I think you know you could take three different brown ales and I can enjoy tasting those three different brown ales because they're just a little bit different, even if they're not crazy different. So with that, I mean, like you said, there's something for everybody. You can get the wild, crazy beers. Somebody's going to do the wild, crazy beers because it's fun and people like that. And then there's also the people that are like doing the cool classical styles and the everything's in between and the stuff outside the box. But there's a place for everybody now. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys for tuning in and listening to the podcast. Yeah. What are they supposed to do now? Well, they probably should go to campcarpedium.com and check out what we're doing in the Brevard and Asheville area this October in North Carolina. C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M.com. Coolest adult camp ever. The coolest adult camp ever. Okay. Also subscribe. Tell your friends. Buy a spear. You know the spiel. You better know the spiel. Because you love us. Cool. We out. Cheers. Cheers. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer, travel, and adventure lifestyle needs.